Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a guiding principle study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Guiding Principles. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then the participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. Hi, welcome back, everybody. This is episode seven for the Guiding Principles Study for the Anonymous Podcast. We're going to begin on page 11 with It Is Remarkable. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Bobby, can you jump in, introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. I'm Bobby. I'm an addict. And I'm uh, coming from Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, my clean date is October 1st of 2020. And uh, I attend meetings. My home group is the Wolfpack Group of NA The Beats on um, Wednesday and Friday at 7 p.m. Glad, uh, glad to be here. Thanks, Bobby. What's up, Casey? Hey, everybody. My name is Casey. And my clean date is 9.30 of 2013. I attend meetings in the Salem area um, Mid Willamette Valley, and my home group is the Tuesday, Thursday West Side or West Salem Recovery. Thanks, Casey. How you doing, Brooke? Hi, my name is Brooke, and um, I attend. I live in Denver, Colorado, and I attend meetings there and the Boulder County. And my clean date is 6-16-1997. Thanks, Brooke. So, Melissa. Hi, everyone. My name is Melissa W, and I'm an addict. My clean date is May 21st, 2015. I attend meetings in the North Shore area as well as New Orleans area and on Zoom. Uh, my home groups are Freedom and Change and Spiritual Ninjas, and I'm grateful to be a part of tonight. Thanks, Melissa. What's up, Phil? Phil M. My clean date is 4-1995, and I attend meetings in the uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. Narcotics and all. Thanks, Phil. How's it going, Donna? Hey, everybody. My name is Donna. I'm from Eugene, Oregon. My clean date is Thanksgiving Day, 1985. I uh, attend meetings online and in the Lane County area of Narcotics Anonymous. And wherever you might be, I'll come and see you. Thanks, Donna. How's it going, Michelle? Hey, Douglas. Uh, I'm Shell. I'm an addict. I'm from Bend, Oregon. And my clean date is 8-13-92. And I, my home group is the Early Risers, which is an online meeting seven days a week. Thanks, Michelle. And our guest tonight, Miles. What's happening, Miles? What's happening, guys? My name's Miles. I'm a grateful recovering addict. My clean date is November 1st, 2010. I attend meetings in the Mid Willamette Valley in uh, Salem, Oregon. And my home group is online. It's Unity Through Uncertainty. What's happening, guys? Love you all. All right. Welcome, Miles. I'm Addict. Name's Douglas. I got clean March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA. And I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, folks. So, episode seven, Got a Principal Study for the Anonymous Podcast. We're going to begin on page 11. It is remarkable. And Michelle is going to facilitate. Take it away, Michelle. Thanks, Douglas. Um, Casey, you want to start us off? First paragraph? Sure. Uh, it is remarkable how often in our groups and in our lives, the lone voice is the one we need to hear the most. 
honoring the courage it takes to speak against the majority and giving serious consideration to the concerns raised doesn't just make us more inclusive. It also helps to ensure that decisions we make are based in principle. Small changes that bring us to consensus are often the difference between a hasty decision and one that lasts. It may be helpful to remember what made us feel welcome and what made us feel uneasy or alienated when we first came to meetings. A meeting format is a vehicle for creating an atmosphere of recovery and establishing unity. The format can be described in the meeting, tell a newcomer what is happening, and help the meeting run smoothly. Statements read in the format can make boundaries clear without being personal or accusatory. If formats are too cluttered with rules and instructions, they can overwhelm a meeting. On the other hand, careless or inattentive chairing can make a group feel unstable or unreliable. Mentorship can be as simple as ensuring that outgoing trusted servants stay on a few weeks after a new person is elected, and that time and attention can make all the difference in maintaining continuity and the atmosphere of recovery in a group. Um, what really stuck out to me was the first paragraph where it talks about being able to speak, um, the courage that it takes to speak up against the majority. And, you know, I remember doing that in a service position during um, the beginning of COVID and it was really hard. You know, I had a really strong opinion about whether our group should stay in person or, um, moved to a Zoom platform solely. And um, I was pretty new in that home group and was pretty scared to kind of speak up because I was the minority in that. Um, but what I learned through that was that giving my thoughts around that situation, they were heard. And, um, you know, a consensus was made. Um, it wasn't the consensus that I thought it should be, but um, I got to A, speak my truth and I got to B, um, I got to be uh, autonomous within our own group and let the group conscience make the decision and trust that the God of our understanding or the higher power within our group was going to make everything okay. And at the end of the day that it was, it was okay. Um, so that's a big deal. You know, knowing that, that I was heard um, was huge. You know, we have this fear of, of rejection, I think coming into recovery a lot of times. And so just being able to um, speak my truth and have a voice um, and be heard really, um, I don't know, it just makes you feel valued. So that's really all I got. Thanks, Casey. Brooke, you want to jump in? Certainly. Um, so when I was listening to those paragraphs, the thing that remind when I got into service, I was in a um, the activities subcommittee group and that one can be fun because really it's kind of like anything goes, you know what I mean? <laughs> We're here to have fun, right? <laughs> so anyway, but what I appreciate about the chair was that he made sure everyone in the room spoke. Like he, he would be like, what do you have to say? You know, I mean, like not even like, does anybody have anything to say? It was just like, Susie in the corner hasn't spoken up, you know? And so I did the same thing when I was chair. And um, I can't even tell you how many times we've gotten some fantastic ideas um, and clarity um, from people that don't normally share because we gave them the space to do that. Um, so, and, and it's important for me to remember that because that's what I always feel like. I feel like the person in the corner um, has been thinking for a long time, but just doesn't quite know how to jump in there. And um, I think it's important to give them that opportunity. That was it. Thanks, Brooke. I love that reminder. It's a good one. Thanks. Uh, Bobby? 
Yeah, <clears throat> thank you for that, um, Brooke. I, I kind of wanted to touch base on similar to the, in that second paragraph talking about the, the importance of the meeting format, um, you know, because it is a vehicle for creating an atmosphere of recovery and establishing unity, right? So one thing my sponsor told me as I was, you know, beginning to become, you know, trusted servant of a meeting was to, you know, kind of set the meeting off in the right direction. And, and I do that by, you know, being the first to share on whatever topic uh, you know, might be chosen because in my area, at least in Raleigh, most of the meetings I attend are, you know, open discussion meetings. Um, so I think it's important to kind of at least set the set the mood for the meeting, so to speak, and then and, and share, right? Because I think it just kind of breaks the ice a little bit. And you know, there's nothing worse in a meeting, in my opinion, than, than that dead time that uh, sometimes, uh, you know, can be up to the trusted servant to kind of break. And so I, I feel that that's very important, you know, and, and a responsibility for, um, you know, the trusted servant of a meeting. So, um, I know my first meeting that I attended, um, you know, it was a open open discussion and I felt, you know, compelled to share first and uh, after the chairperson had, had kind of started off a meeting and, you know, I've never really lost that that sense of uh, being included, you know, and uh, I just find that so powerful about Narcotics Anonymous and uh, I just love that about it. So that's what I had to share about it. Thank you. Oops, muted myself there. Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> Lisa? Yeah, so um, I just wanted to comment on the meeting format as well. Um, when it said statements read in the format can make boundaries clear without personal, without being personal or accusatory. I like that because, you know, it talks about like, well, formats in my area, I'll say that in other places I've been to, you know, they mentioned crosstalk and my home groups, we actually explain what crosstalk is. And um, why we don't do it, right? It talks about um, sharing the time and like, you know, if you if you use today, get with someone after the meeting. So it's setting up all these boundaries. And I didn't even realize that. Um, I, I, I thought of it more as a structure, but like reading in here, like really just kind of, again, reminds me how important boundaries are and also that they're being set even when I don't realize, you know, and I, I respect them sometimes and I don't even realize the boundaries, you know, because I do. You know, I do my best to, of course, respect the meeting by following those things provided in the format. So I just thought that was really cool that it explains it. And it also goes into like if you've got too many rules and things like that, it can overwhelm a meeting. So it just kind of gives this like like an overview, really, of what its purpose is and like the things to look out for. So, again, it's like guiding us on like what can kind of help make up a healthy group. So I like that. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks. Miles? Hey guys, my name is Miles. I'm an addict. I want to touch on that same thing that she was talking about, you know, that um, having a format for a meeting and why it's important is, or, or for me, when I first got to the program, like I went to a couple meetings that were free for all and I sat there, I had no idea how to share or what to share about. And I've seen it happen a lot of times where somebody that's even been there 30, 60, 90 days still has no idea how to share or what to share about. And I, I've been to meetings. I was a member of a home group about seven years ago, six years ago, that unfortunately that meeting folded. But they had, like, we had, like, the, a topic meeting, and then we said what we can and can't share about. Like, we'd tell them, you can share about your day, but not how you felt like getting loaded all the time. Like, you can share about how this ties into this, but not how it ties into how you're, you had a bad day today. And What's more important on teaching a newcomer or somebody even with 30, 60, all the way to a year clean is the clarity statement. 
You know, there aren't enough meetings that I've been to that you put the clarity statement in the format of the meeting, which talks about the language that we use and the unity that we have. And um, I think it's a real important way to set the tone for the meeting so we don't get um, problems. You know, we get the old timers that, that say, oh, you said the S word. You know, they'd stick to clean. And I understand that completely. And if the newcomer says it, they say it. But if the meeting doesn't tell them that that's not the language of Narcotics Anonymous, and they haven't been pulled aside by an old timer to tell them how we share, then it's up to us as a group in, in our meeting format or, or at break time to teach the newcomer exactly how that goes. You know, and so that maybe just maybe they'll be comfortable enough to start sharing. They'll know what to share about if they know what their limitations are. Anyways, that's all I got. Miles, thanks. Bill. I like the uh, the part where it, where it talks about careless or inattentive caring can make a group feel unstable unreliable mentorship mentorship can be a as simple as ensuring that ongoing trusted servants stay on a few weeks after a new person is uh, elected i think it's important for for our our older members to stay around in uh in uh everything that, that goes on in a, a group and uh it's it's just important to uh to have something uh, reliable and dependable for, especially for our new people to see. And uh, I mean, how else are we gonna follow something if the older members don't uh, stick around and, and show it? And, that, and that's how I look at that, but I, I, that's the part that really grabbed me. Thanks, Bill. It was a, a meaty couple of paragraphs. Bobby, you wanna take that last paragraph before we get into the questions? Absolutely. <clears throat> Practicing unity and anonymity can be a struggle when the atmosphere of recovery is challenged. Personal conflicts between members, violence, and predatory behavior are very real issues in some groups. The service pamphlet, Disruptive and Violent Behavior, can be a useful resource, and so can other members. Confronting each other is part of how we help one another to recover, but it's a challenge to do that in a spirit of love and compassion. We address each other honestly and peacefully, and give each other room to grow. A member shared, unconditional love is not the same as unconditional acceptance. I don't have to like your behavior, but that doesn't mean we reject each other as human beings. Our common welfare means that every one of us needs every one of us. Every addict deserves the opportunity to recover. Our practice of unity helps us ensure that recovery is available to us all. Yeah, for me, um, you know, this is kind of talking about some conflict, right, and uh, conflict resolution, which I'm terrible at, and I've hated it all my life, you know, <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't consider myself good at it, I get anxious when it comes to that, but, you know, these, it kind of talks about the importance of, of doing that in a, you know, a loving way, right, and, and it happens to, between any two individuals, or it can happen to be any, between anyone, you know, with these, these um, disagreements, or, you know, depending on, on what it might, you know, be about. But like, uh, for me, it, confrontation just kind of makes me cringe a little bit, right? And that's something that I've been working on in my recovery um, because, you know, those, those numbing um, 
you know, uh, defense mechanisms that I would go to in my active addiction are no longer uh, possible, right? So I have to deal with that. And um, for me, it's, it's about prayer, you know, and giving it up to God first and trying to figure out the best way to, to go about resolution of that, you know, and, um, you know, I went through something where I kind of had a disagreement with another member. And, you know, my first reaction was to, you know, cut it off, end it, not think about it, or I want to lash out verbally. Right. And that's what I would, in my mind, I would see myself doing that. Right. And that's, that's not a loving way to approach that. Right. So, um, you know, thanks to the help of my sponsor and some of the other people in my, you know, personal network, close network, like I was able to, you know, hash out those, those feelings and not really do the first thing that came to my mind and, and react uh, harshly, you know, and so I think that's a powerful statement to the unity of the program, you know, because now our relationship has, has gotten so much better, we're, we're civil with each other, and it's not an issue, right? Uh, it could have been a lot worse. And, and I think that that's kind of what this is talking about. Um, where it's, it's good for me, you know, because, uh, you know, without that, like, I, the last thing I want to do is go to a meeting and have to hide my face or have some sort of, you know, negative feeling going into a meeting about some certain individual, you know, and that, that's not healthy for anybody. So um, that's kind of what, where my mind was going at, uh, with that when I read that. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Bobby. Hey, Donnie, you want to jump in? I do. Thank you. I think we're going to get into this in a lot more detail in the questions, but it's really, we've all been in a meeting where somebody was disruptive. You know, many of us have been in a meeting where people were dangerous and predatory and violent. And, um, you know, a lot of us come in here really sick and some of us don't get a whole lot better, you know, and sometimes the best that some people can do is just not use. And and um, and we ha and that's okay because they're still a part of NA if they want to be, right? But how to address that? Because the group has to be the most important thing, right? The message has to be the most important thing. So when I've learned how to address that stuff in a meeting, in a loving and compassionate and firm way, is because I love Narcotics Anonymous. And that's what has to come across is like my love for this fellowship is absolute. And um, the message, it has to be carried. And sometimes that message is about how you deal with that conflict, right? Because you know that newcomer sitting there watching, right? They are watching what is gonna happen now, you know, and being able to um, be loving and kind and firm with somebody who's being disruptive is, um, is a great message right? Like you're welcome here. You're welcome. You're wanted here, but you cannot disrupt the meeting. And if you continue to disrupt the meeting, we're going to ask you, we're going to have to ask you to step out, you know? And I, if you guys have not read that um, pamphlet, I really, really encourage you to do so. It's a very good pamphlet. And um, sometimes, um, sometimes there really are dangerous people that come in and sometimes they want recovery and sometimes they don't, right? Sometimes they just are looking for a place to try to be safe and they bring their dysfunction with them you know if i'm gonna tell you if everything that was going on on the inside of me was showing up on the outside of me when i got here i would have been really disruptive as well right um so uh yeah but i think again i think we'll get more into that in the questions thanks donna brooke
there we go. Um, so I guess the first thing I want to say is I didn't even know that that pamphlet existed. <laughs> Terrible. And uh, I'm actually kind of grateful for that because I haven't had to go look for it for a long time. There was definitely a period of time where I, I, I was thinking that we might need one of those um, about because it's it is pretty crazy. Um, I also I want to thank anybody who's ever pulled off that confrontation with love in a meeting because that's how I learned to do it. You know, um, whether it's in a subcommittee or um, at an activity or even um, or in a meeting, you know, how to treat people who are scared and angry and volatile with love and compassion. Um, it's really important that I learn that um, because because it's really important, as was mentioned before, that I'm able to carry the message to the addict who still suffers and keep myself safe at the same time. So, um, so I really appreciate all of those people that are showing us how to do that um, on a regular basis. That's it, thanks. Thanks, bro. Bill? Uh, wow, good stuff. Um, uh, I do love that unconditional love is not the same as uh, unconditional acceptance. And it's just so ironic that we're talking about uh, disruptive and violent behavior uh, pamphlet or, or, or IP, because I remember when it came out, uh, I had a, a sponsee that was uh, very um, disruptive and, and the behavior and things. Um, I'll just say mental issues and like whatever, but I'll never forget it. At one of the area services, one of the, uh, the members presented that IP um, at the area service for, for one of my sponsees. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm like, I remember when it came out, that's all I got. Thanks, Bill. Um, I'm actually gonna hop in on this one. Um, you know, I think one of my favorite sentences in that paragraph was every addict deserves the opportunity to recover. Like that reminder that, um, you know, and, and Donna was talking about this as well, that, that we all come in here with our, you know, we show up with U-Hauls of baggage. We're not showing up with a little tiny suitcase of baggage, right? We're pulling up with the U-Hauls. And um, some of us pull up with semi-trucks full of baggage, right? And we come in these rooms and, um, you know, over the years, I mean, I've seen all of those things, right? I've seen violence in meetings. I've seen predatory behavior in meetings. I've seen disruptiveness in meetings. And, um and, and when people chose to have compassion and love, most of the time the situation could be de-escalated. When people chose to get, to, get to, to, um, to confront it with, with um, a loud tone or you know, more anger in return, the, the situation's obviously escalated. And I mean, that, that's, that's kind of common things, but, but trying to think of not only the person that's causing the issue, but how it's affecting everybody else, right? Because here we all sitting in this room with all our baggage. So all of a sudden it's feel like, you know, mom and dad fighting again, or, you know, whatever it is going back, takes us back to those places. And, and then suddenly it doesn't feel safe, right? And part of unity, in my opinion, is creating a safe atmosphere as well. And, um, you know, I've had the opportunity as well to, to be involved in situations where, uh, we, we had a member in our area that was inappropriately hugging women and multiple women came to me to talk to me about like, how do I set boundaries? How do I, and, and, and really the person needed to be talked to. And, you know, I felt comfortable enough talking to that individual and, you know, and I think often 
some people aren't even aware, right? There, there's just a total lack of consciousness that it's inappropriate. Um, and so just even having that conversation to let somebody know like shifts it. Um, so so we, I always feel like I have to come from that place of like considering the source of who I'm dealing with, it is, is it a safe place that I can go in and help be a, a you know, help some change happen um, and create a safe environment for everybody. Um, because, you know, we're, we're not all coming in here, uh, you know, we all have sorted paths. So we bring that with us into the rooms and, uh, and we all deserve the right to recover. So I love that sentence. Anyone else got some feedback on this meaty paragraph? It's a good one. I liked it. I didn't know about that pamphlet either. So I'm gonna check it out just in case I need it in the future. All right, folks, so that means we're hopping into the group inventory questions. We're gonna do it a little different than we've done it in the past. Um, and, uh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna open it up to the floor. I'm gonna ask, uh, the, the first little sentence here just says, questions below offer a way to begin or continue a service discussion or workshop focused on this tradition. So, um, you know, these are the questions that it's encouraged for groups to inventory. Um, so anybody feeling called to answer this first one and read the question and share your opinion on it? Douglas? Yeah, thanks, Michelle. So what is our common welfare as a group? I think the common welfare as a group is um, safe and consistent, you know, open, close, safe and consistent, clear format. I think that's the, the common welfare piece. But also um, uh, within that, you know, are we serving that need like in the community? You know, is, is the format reflective of like what's needed and, you know, and all that? And then how does unity enhance our primary purpose? Um, I, think, I think that goes with um, uh, back to, where is it here? Careless or inattentive chairing can make a group feel unstable or unreliable. I think that's, that, that's a good example. But how about this? How about when the coffees percolate and, and the meeting has started? Right. Or, some, you know, thing, things that are going on or when the chairperson says, hey, can we have, you know, this reading read? Oh, it's still over in the bin. Can somebody go get that? Hold on. Let's you know all of these little things. Right. All these little things make it seem like. At least for me, from my from my perspective, all these little things that happen make it seem like no one cares. You see the way that this is set up. There's stuff missing. This is real haphazard. Oh, the, we're not serious here. And so so. I think, but I do notice like when I go into a meeting and like, hey, man, things are on point. You know, it's starting on time, man. There's this, there's that. It's like, oh, you know, and then how, and then when I'm speaking, people are looking at me. May not be listening, but they're still, you know, it's kind of like a little bit attentive. It's like, yeah, okay. You know, I feel value. You know, I feel, I feel like a little bit of, you know, like I belong and I'm a part of. So I think that that's another piece how unity can enhance you know, that primary purpose of making sure that the, the message can reach those. Um, and, and, then, and then the last thing I'll say about that, though, I really do think it's about the area um, where the people who are attending and, and stuff, you know, that whole get in where you fit in. Sometimes it applies, right? Like the get in where you fit in, sometimes it doesn't, you know, um, apply to us because I, I went to a couple, well, more than a couple, a lot of meetings to where it's like, I'm, I'm taking a step back and thinking, this is like a circus. This is a, but people are staying clean and that's how they get down. And that's how they, that's how they do it. I, I choose, like, if I have the option, you know, I, I just don't partake, you know, that, that's not maybe a meeting that I hit regularly. 
But uh, yes, yeah, so anyways, those are, those are my thoughts, and I'm going to go ahead and pass with that. Anyone else have feedback on question one? It's Miles. I'm a grateful recovering addict. So, you know, where, where it talks about the common welfare as a group, I think that depends on the group. Like, I think Douglas was hitting on that a little bit. I think it depends on the meeting because some meetings, you know, the, their common welfare may want to keep it an upbeat, exciting atmosphere of recovery, like something where they they may pay, poke a little fun at the readings. They may have their own little sayings. They may have some excitement. Some meetings clap, some meetings don't. But consistency to keep that meeting the same every single week. Because, you know, like when you find a home group, you may go to five meetings that you find you don't like and then find one you do. Well, somebody might like that excitement every week and want that to be their home group. So I think consistency is is a real good common welfare for a group you know and um how does this enhance our primary purpose um i think consistency for me for me like if i go to the same meeting every week and hear the same shares every week from the same people every week it's going to be the same people only attending that meeting like it's consistency as keeping an atmosphere of recovery, but also consistency as welcoming the newcomer, opening up our home group, our home to the visitors. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think a common welfare, common welfare for the group is um, consistency brings unity, I would say. Anyways, that's all I got. Thanks, Miles. All right, let's move on to question number two. Anyone have any? Bobby? Uh, question number two, uh, what does the newcomer see and hear when attending our meetings? Is this an inviting group to join or are we exclusive or intimidating in some way? So when I looked at this question, I'm just gonna answer it the way that I, as a newcomer, saw the meetings that I attended. And for me, what I saw was the hope shot, right? That we, that we talk about is in a, like I saw, as much pain and suffering as I was in and just a complete and utter defeat, like I saw that this program works, right? I knew that y'all weren't faking it because, you know, I have experience with addiction in my, in my house, you know, in my, in my family. And uh, I, I see what meetings can do for people. And so when I saw like that camaraderie that was going on with people and the laughter and like, I, I, I was made to feel very welcome at my first meeting uh, that I came back to. Even the first meeting I went to at 18 years old, when I had absolutely no intention of staying clean at that time, I still felt welcome, even though I was looking at all the differences at the time. But I still think back to that time as an 18 year old thinking like, wow, you know, if only. Right. But that's just not how it works. And that's not what gets me clean. Like I have to go through the ringer in order to want to stay clean. And that's that's when that's, you know, what we talk about when that pain gets great enough. And so when I looked, the feeling I got going into a meeting is with as much just heartache as that was going on with me internally, like I saw hope, man. And that's, and that's the great thing about it. I was invited out to dinner immediately afterwards, without even a second thought, had dinner offered to be paid for, you know, like just th that to me right there is just love. And, and that's what I try to carry on to other people. So that second part of that question, is it inviting group to join or exclusive? My experience was it was completely inviting. And I'm forever grateful for that because that's the, that's a bit, the only reason actually that I'm still here, you know, because I felt I felt included, I felt loved, and I felt understood. So that was my experience 
coming in as a newcomer. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Bobby. Hey, Brooke. Yeah, I liked what Bobby said. I think that we kind of all think what's what's um, good for the newcomer is kind of the way that we saw it when we got here and what we remember about what was what really touched us. Because some people um, really like big, vibrant groups, and like was said before, and some people um, like quiet, intimate groups. Um, I mean, I know when I was new, the Saturday night, I think every, every area has the Saturday night crazy meeting. <laughs> I loved that meeting, <laughs> whatever, wherever it was. Um, I totally loved that meeting because I was Looney Tunes on Saturday nights, right? And I just needed other people to go be crazy with me. And, and it didn't bother me that people weren't necessarily paying attention or any of that stuff. It just, it was just, there was a energy in that meeting that really worked for me. And then a few years later, you know, I'm at the, um, my home group was a step study, actually literature study with um, a lot of people over 10 years clean and people would come visit us and then they would not come back because they would be like, you guys are old and boring. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I guess we kind of are like, we've finished the chaos. Um, but um, as Bobby said, like, with the whole, um, I do reach out to people and see if they wanna go out to dinner. Um, and often just like, seriously, remembering somebody's name makes a huge difference for people. Mm -hmm. And it's hard, it's hard. Um, and uh, I, I can't always do it and stuff like that. But, um, you know, remembering their name, giving them your phone number, any of that kind of stuff is just like, it really, it makes people feel like they're uh, loved, wanted and needed. Thanks, Brooke. All right, let's move on to question number three. Who's feeling, uh, feeling some love for question number three? Melissa? Number three, do we make an effort to make everyone feel welcome? How do we welcome newcomers? Who are we missing and how can we include them? I feel like this is a very deep question and um, one that I believe like really, you know, all home groups kind of need to be focused on. I know I've had three different home groups over the course of a few years and um, I've, I've seen times where that these are like questions that are asked more often than other times. I know like, I know COVID's starting to heat up again, I guess you could say, but when it kind of looked like it was starting to clear, I um, I spoke of it on an earlier podcast that like I was just really thinking a lot about the newcomers coming in that you know either have been in the rooms and went back out or um, or ones that were coming in for the first time, and this really embodies like the kind of questions that I was asking. Sure, wish I would have knew like this because this is a lot more direct and focused. So it's really good good tips. Um, to be focused on. So yeah, do, do, do we make an effort to make everyone feel welcome? So I can honestly say, I do believe my home groups do that. Um, and I play a part in that too. You know, am I going up to that newcomer? Am I going to talk to them? Even if I don't think our personalities are the same, even if we're not the same age, even if they just seem totally off the handle or whatever the case may be, like, you know, putting my personality and my opinions aside, approaching them and greeting them, 
And if we're going out to eat, you know, inviting them, you know, leave your money at home, come with us. You know, all those things were so important to me when I got here. And um, also, like, not everybody always has a good day all the time, you know? So, like, it's okay if we share with a newcomer there that we're not having a great day, right? But to welcome that with love and, like, let them know that that's okay, I feel like that also lets them feel like more, like it's okay to open up about those kind of things, seeing both sides of the spectrum, you know, like wherever you're at today is okay. And so I already talked about how do we welcome newcomers. Um, oh, also we have a standard, um, one of my home groups has a list with all the home group members phone numbers on. It's like pre-made that way, just in case someone's not there that night, you know, um, that they'll have the information for the home group members. And so who are we missing and how can we include them? That is a very big question, you know, and just thinking that we're missing somebody, um, I don't know, just that, that part of that question like tugs at my heartstrings, you know, cause I don't want anyone to miss out on the opportunity of the room. So, I mean, I don't even know if I'm the best qualified to answer that, but I just know that when People come in, we are willing to be there for them, and we we do our best to do that. And um, I'd say when people do come in, the best thing we can do to make sure we include them is basically what I've said so far, you know, invite them, um, let them talk about what's going on in their life, you know, be a listening ear, you know, anything you can do to just like sit with them and be with them and let them know that they're heard and they're important really um, includes everyone and also you know you might want to go talk to your friends after the meeting but maybe you should go talk to this person that you never talked to before that can be challenging you know that's again putting my personality aside and what I want for the, the betterment of someone else you know so that's all I got thanks Michelle thanks Melissa Miles hey guys I'm Miles I'm an addict so, like, how do we make everyone feel welcome? Like, or does my group make everybody feel welcome? Um, I've been running into a little bit of falling short, groups falling short of making everyone feel welcome lately. And I can say that just because, you know, I just moved to a new town and uh, I'm going to a lot of new meetings where I don't know a lot of people. And I'm getting like, out of a meeting of 30, 40 people, I get like two people that introduce themselves, maybe three. Sometimes after I share and I open up and I, I spit, put out this great spiel, this great share after the meeting, they may, hey, that was a great share. And then they want to introduce themselves. But sometimes that might be a little bit too late. You know, and I, I also want to talk about the, last part of that question is you know how well how do we welcome newcomers me personally maybe not as a group me personally I'm you know I've been a smoker ever since I got clean and I just quit smoking about a year ago now I'm vaping but I'm outside of the meeting prior to the meeting happening I see everybody that gets out of their car and if I don't know them or if if they're like a home group someplace that I know everybody that shows up and I see some people get out of their car that I had never seen before 
I will be the first person to go up and introduce myself. And then when we get into the meeting and the meeting's kind of full, I will pull a chair next to me because I've already met them to make them feel like they have a place to sit. So they're not sitting back next to that weird dude in the corner, you know, like. And in that last part, who are we missing and how can we include them? Now I'm going to call out some people, even the old timer. You know what? Like when you're talking to your buddies and you're saying, hey, how was work yesterday? Did you get this done? Look around the corner and see if there's somebody standing by themselves. Chances are that's who we're missing. That's the person that's going to keep coming to meetings for about three weeks. And then they're not going to show up one day because they were not included in a conversation. I know that when I got here, I was mad and I was angry in my first probably two or three weeks of meetings. But what was most important was my very first meeting. I sat there mad at the world and there was nothing but weirdos sitting in this meeting. And one dude walked up to me and he had long hair and grease on his face and he had talons for toenails. And uh, I mean, this guy was about as ugly as you could get. But he came over and he pushed me on the shoulder and he told me to stand up. And I got up like I was going to hit him. And he hugged me and he said, welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. It gets better. Like one dude that I have never wanted to talk to welcomed me as a newcomer and kept me coming, even though I was angry and didn't want to be there for the next two or three weeks until I found a place I fit in. So, you know, when it comes to welcoming the newcomer and, and seeing who we're missing, look around instead of talking to the same people you talk to every meeting. Look around and find somebody that has been going to meetings but doesn't talk to anybody. Those are who we're missing and who we're going to be missing. Anyways, that's all I got. Thanks, Miles. I'm going to hop in on this one really quick. Um, just because I think one thing we haven't talked about is um, the effect that has happened with having Zoom meetings now, right? So when, when we've been in person for all these years, uh, it's a different environment, right? There's a different energy that you feel when you walk into a room. There's just a different, different atmosphere that can be created in a room. And I think now we have this new responsibility as you know, we're meeting safely on Zoom and other platforms that, that we have to even come up with more creative ways to ensure that, um, that we're seeing everybody, right? Uh, you know, because often the newcomer will be off camera. So they're not gonna be right on screen on your gallery view because they're hanging out off camera. Um, so they're at the, the end of the line and you're not looking for them. Uh, they may not know how to get off mute fast enough to introduce themselves, or they may feel really in, intimidated by a digital platform. Um, you know, so I know at my home group, we kind of did this, this inventory as well to look at, well, how can we make sure we're, we're reaching out to, to the newcomer in Zoom? And so we now have a newcomer rep that reaches out to anybody that introduces themselves as new. Uh, anybody who's new to our meeting, they reach out to them. We send welcome packets. Um, we'll mail key tags, you know, things like that. So that if people are in remote areas, they can't get to meetings. We want them to feel that same love that we can feel in a room. And so, um, you know, I think that's, that's an important thing for groups to inventory as well. If you're, if you're a, a, a digital based meeting, how, how do you need to ensure that you're conscious of the newcomer? Um, and, and if it's the same, you know, Again, they may not know how to use the raise hand feature, you know, those types of things where they don't know how to jump in. So, you know, recently we said, you know, a lot of us share all the time, like we need to pause a little bit and let there be space for other people to share 
who may not feel as confident, but have something to say. And those long pauses sometimes are when the newcomer feels up, finally gets the courage to share, right? Um, and sometimes we don't think about that, allowing that space for a pause to happen so that a newcomer can have that moment of courage. Um, you know, I think those are important things we have to think about in our current environments. Phil, did you wanna to add to this? Yes, uh, real quick, yeah, uh, good stuff. Um, you know, I, I do got a, um, uh, one of my home groups is in a uh, very old uh, area in our region. And the home group uh, is old with a bunch of old people. And we have very few uh, young people and new people in it. But what I've noticed uh, with it down through the, the years, it's the hospitality that, uh, that goes into the meeting that, that makes uh, most everybody comes to our meeting feel welcome and the love that's there. So even with the, um, the new people, uh, uh, and it's, it says, uh, who is missing and how can we include them? Sometimes I think uh, with, with that meeting, it's, it's just the hospitality. You know, uh, welcome, get, get, a, get a coffee, uh, sit down, uh, this and that. And um, um, just the love that's there, the, the, the hugs and um, greeter still uh, at the door. And uh, I don't know. It's just like where everybody is included, you know. But there's, hey, there's always room for improvement. That's all I got. Thanks, Bill. We're going to move on to number four. Uh, Brooke, you want to take this one? Absolutely. Okay. Number four How does sharing affect our group unity? Do we carry a clear message? How well do we listen to each other? Um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm always working on my sharing. Um, and, uh, and I kind of like to share that in, in meetings. I think it's important for everybody to kind of pay attention to what it is we're talking about. Like um, my home group reads just for today. And even though that's not actually our topic, if we don't have another topic, we share on that because it's about recovery, you know? Um, and, and that's the important part is whatever's in just for today, all of us can pretty much share about our recovery. It's also really important for me to um, to be to share within that three to five minutes. Um, I, I know some people don't; they like to freeform it and stuff like that. But honestly, that's my attention span is three to five minutes. And so, and I'm not even listening to me after three to five minutes. Like, let's be real, you know. Um, and um, but yeah, I, I love it. Like there was some uh, on Zoom, there were some, I got to hear some people from out of state and I began to notice that these people from New York, every time they got onto our meetings, they always said the message. Um, they were just like, welcome to the newcomer. Our message is that an addict, any addict can stop using, lose the desire to use and find a new way to live. And that means you, you know? Um, and that was, that was simple, that was to the point. Um, you know, like we, we like to share about our lives and make it, you know, and dress it up and make it like a little more personal. But the truth is, is that if you walked into the store, you too can stop, um, stop using. So um, that's, and that's about, I think that's about it for me. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I think we've had some, I've been to group consciences and stuff, but honestly, I don't think that home groups talk that much about uh, what they focus on when they share. I'm not sure. 
Casey? I was thinking about um, what my shares were like when I first got here and kind of how they've, I guess, evolved over the amount of time that I've been here. And, you know, when I first got here, it was about how shitty my life was, how bad my day was, and no solution, right? And what I've learned over the years by listening to other people share um, and the way that I try to share today is to bring the solution back in, right? Like the last couple of years of my life have been really difficult um, in dealing with some stuff. And, um, and I, I wanna be transparent and share that stuff, but I want my message to be, how do I use the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous to get through this stuff? And so that's really what I try to focus on today is, yeah, I, I'm gonna tell you that I'm having a shitty day because if I told you that life was peaches and creams when you came into Narcotics Anonymous, I'd be lying. Right, like sometimes it gets harder because I don't have anything to numb out. Um, and so I wanna be transparent and show you what real life is, but I also wanna keep the solution in it and, and that solution is in the 12 steps. And so I just try to be mindful of that and just try to be mindful of the headspace, I guess, that I'm in when I'm sharing is, um, do I have a, a message of solution today? And if I don't, I should probably just listen. So that's really all I have for that. Excuse me. Hey, Donnie, you want to take number five? Okay, number five. Does our group have a conscience, value, and a personality? How can we embrace our differences and still practice unity? And what do we do when we disagree? So I was thinking about the different personalities of groups. And we've talked about this a little bit already here. There's always that meeting that's great with newcomers. There's always that meeting that's good with old timers. There's always that meeting that's queer friendly. There's always that meeting that's good with families. There's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and there's always that quiet, soft meeting with a bunch of old timers, right? And depending on the flavor of the day, you might decide which meeting you want to go to and which one you want to be your home group. I want the old timers, right? Um, uh, but the Friday night live, right, is that crazy meeting with everybody under the age of 30 going to with two years clean, right? I used to love that stuff. Kids running around, everything crazy and not no more. And you know what? That's fine. Because our common welfare, it says it right in that last paragraph I read. Our common welfare means that every one of us needs every one of us, right? And, um, and the members of the group come together and then the members of the area come together and then the members of the region come together. And it's like, there's no one person, there's no one group, there's no one region that's more important than the other. And, um, um, so I think uh, uh, there could be like a little denial, like, oh, no, our group isn't, isn't like that, or we don't, we don't do that. And so I think these group inventory questions, these are really gentle. These are really easy. And it, and it might be interesting when doing these things to get an outside perspective, like Michelle was talking about last week. It's like somebody came from the outside and suggested that maybe they wanted to take a look at how they were treating people who walked in the door, you know, and nobody I know the people in her home group, nobody there would consider themselves not to be inclusive and friendly and open and inviting, you know, but as a group, we take on a personality. Um, uh, and then the other thing I thought about where it says, what do we do when we disagree? Um, I, I wrote down that we can disagree and still carry the message. 
right? We can disagree about a lot of things and still carry the message. We cannot like each other and still carry the message. We can still, um, uh, you know, um, be those great role models for how do you deal with disagreeable things and disagreeable feelings. And I have a new home group and uh, there's a guy in that home group that I, we don't do service well together. And uh, I used to think I didn't like him. And, uh, and I, and actually I, I quite adore him and he's very funny, uh, but we still shouldn't probably do service work together. We did our first home group meeting uh, the other day to talk about whether we should be meeting in person or not, whether we should go back to an online format. And I had a very different opinion than he did about it. And I thought, oh, here we go, here we go. <laughs> We're gonna go at it now, you know? And we didn't go at it. We expressed our opinion. We both grown in recovery and we let the group decide, right? And we felt, and we both felt heard, you know? So that's what you do. That's what we do when we disagree. You know, we uh, make sure people are heard. Uh, that can be really difficult in a group full of really strong personalities, you know, but um, I think that's all I have to say about that. Thanks. Anna, Alisa? Yeah, so I like this question as well. Um, so it starts off by saying, does a group have a conscience, values, and a, personal or a personality? So I believe the answer to that is all groups have that, you know, um, because it's a bunch of different people you know, the home group members that are coming together and as a whole, we expect, we express our conscience, values and personality. And to, I think, I can't think of the right word, but like, there's no way that a group doesn't have a personality, you know, and it might, it might ebb and flow and be different from um, person to person. And it also depends on perception, but a personality does lie within the group and the people that are being of service because we have personalities. The key though is to come together, right? For that, that common purpose and our, our goal is to be inviting and loving and caring. So I think it would be very biased and untrue to say that groups don't have a personality, you know? Um, but yeah, so the, the group conscience, you know, we, we discuss that at every business meeting. You know, our values are what we make group conscience decisions based off of. So uh, also it says, how can we embrace our differences and still practice unity? <laughs> so I'm gonna tell you, one of my home groups changed the meeting name and I wasn't there. And I tell you what, I was so upset. I was not part of the naming the group Spiritual Ninjas. Um, we were called New Beginnings before. And I was very <laughs> upset about it. And I didn't say anything at first. And what happened is I like grew, you know, but I still kept my service commitment. I signed up for the next one, you know, and, and that's like living beyond those differences, right? Because the group as a whole is way more important than what I think or my personal feelings on this or whatever the case may be. You know, so I just show up despite my personal feelings. I get my personality out the way and I show up and be a part of, you know, and, and that's not easy. And the only way I got out of, got past that, I was literally chairing the meeting. <laughs> 
and I shared that I had a resentment. <laughs> um, but that's how, you know, that's how we deal with them. Maybe not always in that way, but I mean, it wasn't an angry share or anything like that. It was like, look, this is eating me up. You know what I mean? So, um, but like, so whether it's at a business meeting or um, where we talk about our differences, we share it right there in the moment. Um, or you talk with somebody in particular after the meeting about a personal grievance or whatever the case. But for me, the way that I get through those things is by talking about it, you know, because otherwise like it will literally just grow inside of me and separate me. And that's what my disease wants. My disease just wants to separate me and isolate me. So I have to make myself a part of, even when it feels uncomfortable, you know? So I, I really like that uh, question. And yeah, so that also answers, what do we do when we disagree? You know, we do the same thing that we do when we agree, we talk about it, you know? And, um, and we face those, the biggest part of that whole piece is facing those uncomfortable feelings, those feelings that I would run from before. So I just face it. And you know what? Doing that in a personal group setting has changed my entire life. It helped me in my career. It's helped me in my outside relationships. So I just think it's so awesome that we have like um, the service structure that just reflects um, into the rest of my life, you know, and it makes me a better person and, you know, makes me stronger. And again, having boundaries, right? All that's tied into it, but um, we create a loving environment together by expressing our thoughts, our feelings, and who we are. So that's what I got. Thanks. Thanks. Brooke? Something that just occurred to me, um, my home group is full of women with time, who um, outspoken women with time who work the steps. So by definition, we're intimidating. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's the way that goes. And, um, and but the the difference is, is we have an awareness about that, um, and uh, and our business meetings are very business like because we are all have a lot of 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 opinions and it does not serve us to um, to like trample on each other's feelings you know that just doesn't help um, and that that's really one of the important things is that we all and I've learned this from people I really didn't like in recovery um, that we all love Narcotics Anonymous. And as long as we take that deep breath and, uh, um, and remember that amazing things can happen um, about meeting in the middle, changing our minds, shutting the fuck up, spiritual principles, shutting the fuck up, which I'll do now. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. I'm going to add to this and then I'm going to wrap us up here. Um, you know, I think that, that, Brooke, you just touched on something important that that sometimes based on um, the people in a group that, that the meeting can feel intimidating. And there was a question earlier that talked about that question too, talked about that too, that exclusive or intimidating. And, um, and I've heard that a lot, like at the women's meeting that used to be my home group here locally, um, you know, people would feel that, that there was a click, right? That because everybody had um, been showing up at this meeting, you know, been regulars at this meeting for a while, there was that atmosphere of it because we all knew each other so well. And that can be really intimidating for people. Um, and it starts to take on a certain personality. And, and um, so we have to be conscious of that and how that distracts from the unity of, of somebody new walking in. Um, you know, I just think that that's so, so vitally important. Um, 
And, and that can be the newcomer or somebody who's just moved to the area who's been clean a long time that suddenly feels like a, a newcomer all over again, right? Uh, we can, you know, different situations happen in our lives and, and we show up in meetings and we've never been to before and that need to still feel welcomed is important. Um, and uh, yeah, so anyways, I think this has been an awesome discussion about tradition one. We still have quite a ways to go in this tradition, but some great stuff. I love all the conversation about unity and, and uh, you know, creating that environment. So uh, with that, Douglas, I'll hand back over to you. Abby. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, remember, Monday morning, uh, tune in to uh, for the next episode. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.